Welcome back to, to the, the Dead, Dead to the, the World, World podcast. I'm Tasha. I'm Mama Dawn. And I'm Lexi. And we did it again. This is the order you're going to hear us today. Are you so excited? Oh my so gosh, excited. you're right. Because so, normally we just go in like a clockwise. I feel like we just do it randomly every time. I kind of <laughs> just look around to see who looks ready to say it next. <laughs> so, so really quick, sorry. Yes. I know that we're talking about Valentine's today and, you know, love, love, things of that nature. But I forgot last time to share a dream that I had. Okay. But I don't know. Do we want to share it now or do we want to save it? I, do you think it would be like a good nap time or is it something that you mm. think people want to hear? Like, is it to do with your pregnancy? Well, like I had it while I was pregnant. I told you about it. Do you remember? The creepy one. I don't remember. Oh. I'm sure I'll remember once you start to tell I'll me. I'll just say it really, I'll just say it really quick, really quick, really okay. quick, really quick, really quick. Ready? Okay. Um, Lex, are you listening? I'm listening. You're involved. <laughs> I had a dream. Me and Lexi and a bunch of other random like girls or whatever were standing in a hallway and there was a chain floating in the hallway. It wasn't hanging straight down. It's like it was sideways. So the chain was literally floating. And it's like, okay, obviously gravity, that doesn't happen. So I'm like looking at it. I like look over around people and I'm like, I'm not the only one who sees that, right? Like there's a chain floating in the air. And above the chain, think of like a shelf. Mm -hmm. There were dolls up there. And I saw one of the doll's eyes like move. Okay. And then I'm like, okay. I'm not the only one that saw that move, right? And you were freaking out with me because you were there in the dream. Mm-hmm. Anyways, all of a sudden we get thrown into this room. Think of Squid Game. Okay. If you haven't seen Squid Game, think of like playgrounds and children and chalk and like squares and things okay. written all over. We're sitting in this room and there's a bunch of people, including us. They tell us to put our heads down. So now we're playing like heads up, seven up. So we're all like, yeah. you know, like that. Heads down in your heads elbow. Heads down in your elbow. And all of a sudden... This, like, person comes in the room, and basically the objective of this person was to try to eliminate who they thought saw the doll's eyes move what? out of all these people. Okay. And Girl. then I woke up. You're having crazy oh, pregnancy dreams. I know, right? Okay, and then I woke up. But do you know why I woke up? Because the door to my bedroom got slammed shut. By nothing? Hold on. I wake up, I sit up in my bed freaking out. I'm like, <gasps> like, you know, I'm freaking out. Kyle's like, it's okay, calm down. It was just the cats. Oh, oh this is gosh. what happened. I had a jacket hanging on the the like handle of the door, door and then Cleo likes to play around in the jacket. I guess what had happened is she got stuck in the jacket. So when she freaked out and ran, it slammed the door shut. Oh. But it happened right at the time that this person comes in and is like trying to eliminate Scary. us. It was the craziest thing. That is scary. It, it was basically one of those times when your alarm clock goes off when, like, the person shoots the basketball yeah. and it's, like, perfect timing. It was mm-hmm. freaky. Dang, so, that's crazy. Thinking about recent dreams, I was actually just telling Lexi this. I think I figured out. Remember I've mentioned a few times I keep having dreams that, like, I'm in high school and I have no friends. Like, no, I'm not going on dates. Like, it's just weird. And... I had another dream last night that like really drew the conclusion for me for sure. Mm -hmm. So I dreamed that you guys and I were siblings and that my parents, your grandma and grandpa, were our parents. And in the dream, you were dating a guy that you dated um, in college. Oh, yeah. Yeah, In college. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. And (laughs) we'll just refer to him. And in the dream, like we knew that, like my, my mom and dad, they didn't like their family and 
So we were all going to go over there, but we just told them that that we were going to run a marathon of all things. So we were like in our shorts and As stuff. As if that's more yeah, believable. Yeah, that's <laughs> not what I would do. That's far but from. But in my dream. So we're all dressed like in marathon stuff. And then we like leave and then we sneak back in the house and we're all changing into something cute to go over to his house. And they hear us. And so they come up into the room. Well, you guys got out of the room and left. And then you guys never came back and got me. So the interpretation I finally got to is that I'm having to let go of you guys. Like you have been my best friends and now you're married and now your spouses are your best friends. And so like I haven't been completely left behind, but Mm -hmm. the relationship that was there isn't the same anymore. Right. And like I'm having a hard time like – Letting go of it. It's an adjustment. So I just want you guys to know I love you. Okay. We love and, you too. And I try not to meddle or we'll try harder. <laughs> <laughs> they that's gave me a look like, um, really, mom? <laughs> that's crazy though. No, but no. That's so funny that that happened to be the guy though. Yeah. Well, and it, it is weird. I don't know why. And then like I'm a little sad because Colby <laughs> and Caitlin. Probably because we didn't like him. Probably. You know, I had my foot surgery, so I haven't traveled to visit them. And yeah. they haven't been able to come up here. So I'm just, I'm just a little sad. Anyway, okay, but on the bright side, because this is a love episode. Yeah, this is a love episode. But there was actually one one more crazy thing that I had to tell you. So the other day, I was like wrapping my foot with a core band, Mm -hmm. and I got it too tight. And so I was like, rip that core band off, and I was like putting some new one, but I was just like laying on the bed, and I didn't want to get up to throw it away. So I just kind of threw it on the floor, and I'm like, okay, I'll put it away later. And then when I went to throw it away, it wasn't there. A cat took it, I'm no. What? No, the cats weren't even in the room. One of the cats was locked in our closet, it turns out, at that same <laughs> She's time. like, we didn't know it yet. Because but. I thought I heard a cat noise, but then I'm like, no, there's no cats in here. Because I looked around, and I looked underneath, like, the little nightstand and everywhere around the area that it possibly could have gone. And mm-hmm. two days later, all of a sudden, it was just there. What? A glitch. That's a glitch. Yeah, it was totally strange. I, like, walk into the room, and I'm like, there it is. Like, literally right where it would have fallen. I picked it up and put it in the garbage. But <laughs> what the freak? It freaked me out. I was like, yeah, total glitch in the Matrix. That's weird. That is weird. Speaking of weird coincidences, that's this is not at all the same. But this is some other stuff that happens that I'm like, everything's connected. <laughs> but, like, today at work during our little work lunch that we do, mm-hmm. we were talking about the actress Dove Cameron. She was on Disney Channel, I think, in like the Live in Maddie show. I, it was like past our she Disney blondie? Channel time. She's blonde. Okay, I'm picturing she's her. She's like a singer now, I think. She's like grown yeah, yeah. up, you know, so she okay. got all the Botox and looks all different. Whatever. We were just <laughs> casually talking. I don't even remember why. Someone at work said that they like her. So we're talking about her. A while later, um, one of the guys starts talking about this movie that he had seen, and he's telling us all about the movie and how it's so funny and we should watch it, but he couldn't remember what it was called. So then one of the girls was looking it up so that we could figure out what it was called. She's looking through the actors and actresses and Dove Cameron's in it. Isn't oh that my weird? God. And he had no idea that that's even who it was. Like sometimes <laughs> when stuff like that happens, I'm like, that's weird. Well, were you guys describing what she looks like? Because maybe that's what got the picture in his head of that movie. Maybe, but we more were just asking if anyone had seen anything interesting. Like we were just trying to oh, start okay. conversations and he's like, Oh, I watched this movie this weekend. It's pretty good. So I don't know, maybe somehow it got connected, but so now I'm curious. Hmm. What is the movie? Me not remembering the title. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm like, you, you're throwing. Well, this. then I'll share really quickly. Just like how today I was singing to myself, the dumb ways to die song. 
mm-hmm. those who don't know. Dumb ways to die. So, so many dumb ways to die. So I'm singing this and I'm like, what the freak? Like, what? why is this stuck in my head? And then literally on the way over here, Kyle was like, oh, yeah, I sent some like TikTok videos to Sebastian, some funny like dumb way to die things. And I'm like, oh, OK, I must That's have heard it. it not is. known I'd heard it. Yeah. Anyways, um, the movie is called Vengeance. Vengeance. OK. Do you want a brief overview? <laughs> no, kidding. it's good. No. Vengeance. I'll no, have, I can I'll go read the cliff notes. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess, Tosh, we can get started now. Yeah. Now that we've indulged you with depressing, weird things, let's talk about love. <laughs> love. Love. So this is from WebMD.com. The, the article's called, Your Valentine May Bring You Better Sleep. Oh, wait. Happy birthday, Tasha. And Daddy Dale. Because oh, this will you. actually be your birthday episode, too. That's true. Their birthday's the day after Valentine's Day. I'm sure you all know that. This ain't our first rodeo, but... Okay, continue. Okay. 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 (laughs) That was awkward. So, really quick, I'm going to share just a little bit of this, and then we're going to dive into songs. Yes. Because our main topic today is love Love songs. Love songs. And the reason why is because Tasha loves songs. And she loves the song episodes that we do. I do. They're my favorite. Um, But I wanted to make sure we tied this into some relation of better sleep, Valentine's, whatever. So, um, here we go. The article goes off. Goes starts off. off. <laughs> starts off. <laughs> Boom. Sure. He may snore. She may steal the covers. But if a relationship is solid, your partner will help you sleep better this Valentine's Day and far into the f- new future. By wearing you out. No. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going down that road. Well, I see no comment. For us, not that kind of podcast. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Um, so good relationships in early adulthood seem to lead to less deprived sleep events, which turn, therefore, lead to better sleep, researchers report. Quote, your partner can have a huge impact on your stress and health behaviors. They can be a source of stress or a reducer of stress. Explain studies, author Chloe, I think the last name is Snitz is a PhD candidate in the Department of Psychology at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. How do I say it? Yeah, you said it right pretty much. Okay. So she says, how does being in a satisfying partnership affect sleep? Are people more content or is a good relationship just a sign that you have better people skills that help reduce stress, you know, et cetera, et cetera. She says, honestly, it's probably a bit of both, though the study cannot prove that a good relationship caused sleep quantity, no, quality to improve. She explained that if you have a good relationship, you probably have good interpersonal skills. And if you get along well with your partner, you're probably less likely to get in a fight with others like your boss or a friend. Because, you know, if it's low stress in the home, you don't really take that into, like, your workplace or, you know, out and about with friends or whatever the case may be. That makes sense. Also, if you have someone to support your support you during stressful life events, that can help buffer the stress. The study also notes that there's a greater link in response to stress and worse sleep. Past research has also shown that the quality of a romantic relationship help predict how you will sleep. The study has an ongoing patterns between good relationships, stress, and sleep. That's interesting. I mean, it makes sense. It does. 
Just think about like people who are in relationships and then like one goes off to war, or one's in the military, or they have to go work outside the state somewhere. Like you probably don't sleep very well those weeks or months or however long it is when that partner's gone, you know? It is true. That whenever Daddy Dell is gone, then like when he gets home, I sleep so much deeper. I know I do. Or if I've been trying to sleep and not be able to sleep, maybe he he usually stays up later than I do. And then if I like hear him come to bed, then all of a sudden I like relax and fall asleep. Yeah. Probably also just comes from like feeling safe, I think too. That's what I was going to say, like secure somebody to watch your back. Yes, I agree though. Like there's not been one time where Sebastian's been out of town or something that I have been able, I end up at mom and dad's house in the guest room every time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it, it does make sense though, if you think about just animalistically, you know, I think just like any other animal, you have to protect yourself. So while you're asleep, if there's if somebody else is there, then there's like double the chance you might hear if something happens. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And then, of course, you know, they say that it doesn't have to necessarily be a cycle. Like how your partner affects your sleep, whether it be good or whether it be bad, it's not going to be like a continuous oh. habit of things. Basically saying that people are under stress at all different times. Um you have to like develop coping skills to deal with it. You know, you take deep breaths, you may do yoga, you may have invite like a, a girlfriend to come sleep over or something, you know? And I mean that like, I'd invite Lexi over. I don't mean okay. like someone should invite to- another girlfriend over. That's not no. what I'm saying. <laughs> like you want a threesome? Infidelity or? is not the answer. <laughs> okay. But essentially it's just stating that it's going to be different for everybody. Correct. But and it probably studies, means just because it's stressful now doesn't mean it'll always be stressful. Exactly. And basically, to end my point, is the studies, there's been studies that just show that having a good interactive relationship does promote better sleep. It makes sense. I mean, I think my biggest disruptors of sleep are when I'm stressed out about something, whether it be a conversation at work. It's usually like a situation where, you know, you you wish you could say something or you're trying to figure out how to say something and you're not sure how to say it. Those are the things that keep me up. Like at five o'clock in the morning, I wake up and then my brain starts thinking about that. And I'm just like, That's stop. When you have to go write it down and move on. Yeah. Yeah. I always just tell myself, can I do anything about it now? No. no. <laughs> go to sleep, Dawn. I sure can't. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to jump into the two songs that I'm covering today. And I am super excited for this. Super excited. So my first one, which I'm going to cover, is a Randy Travis song. And for those who don't know, he's country. Yes. The song is Forever and Ever Amen. I'm going to love you forever. Forever and ever. Amen. Okay. (laughs) Um, All right. You guys are crazy. All right. Um, So really quick. (laughs) What's so funny? She just kept going. (laughs) So, yeah, let me read some of the lyrics for you real quick. So it does say that I am going to love you forever and ever. As long as old men sit and talk about the weather, as long as old women sit and talk about old men, which I think is such a funny line. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one. And then it goes on to say, if you ever, or excuse me, if you wonder how long I'll be faithful I'll be happy to tell you again, I'm going to love you forever and ever, forever and ever. Amen. Oh, it just gives you the chills. (laughs) My favorite part of that is when, um, 
It's something like, if, you're, if your hair falls out, I'll still love you because I wasn't in love with your hair anyway. Oh, It's in there. I just can't. That's not exactly mm, how I'm it's said. I'm trying to think. I know that. Hold on. I'm looking at the lyrics really quick because there is a song that has something similar to that, but I don't think it's this song. Hold on. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, you're right. They say time takes a toll on the body, makes a young girl's brown hair turn gray. But honey, I don't care. I ain't in love with your hair. And if, and if it, it all falls out, well, I'd love you anyway. <laughs> I just think that's the best. <laughs> she like, gave us a weird look. <laughs> it's just the best representation of love. Like, that's the point. Like, we're not in love with your looks. It's more of, like, you as a person. Yeah. Um, I also like this verse. It says, they say time can play tricks on memory, make people forget things that they knew. Well, it's easy to see that it's happening to me, but I've already forgotten every woman but you. Yeah. Oh, it's it does so give cute. Me a chills. Oh, me too. But anyway, so it's a country song. It's a little bit older. We like, love a good yeehaw song. We love a good yeehaw song. Yeah, it came out when I was in high school. Yeah, I think, let's see, released March of 1987. Yep. Wow, you just... You just I just aged, aged yourself. Myself. That's all right. <laughs> so I want to share really quick, though, this article, which is from WideOpenCountry.com. How fitting. So it says, the heartwarming lyrics and paired with the country instrumental guitar and the classic Randy Travis voice makes Forever and Ever Amen unique. At the end of the hook line, which sounds like, Travis is singing a prayer and turns out that that line actually inspired the like song in itself. So mm. the song itself was written by Nashville songwriter Paul Overstreet and Don Schriltz. Schiltz? Schriltz? I'm, I'm terrible with names. But Don Schriltz, if I'm saying that right, the idea actually came from his young son. So after his son would say his prayers at night, he would often then turn to his mother and say, Mommy, I love you forever and ever. Amen. Oh, that's so cute. I'm unwell. (laughs) So it took the songwriters just a couple of hours to finish the tune. They then took it to Martha Sharp at Warner Brothers, who suggested that it be for Randy Travis. Travis then, of course, you know, listened to it, immediately loved it. And there you go. That's so, so awesome. And I think it just reminds me that like a lot of the time the singers are singing songs that other people wrote. They're not singing their own. I mean, they can. Like I know Taylor Swift does a lot of her own songs, but I'm yeah. just saying more times than not, I think they're singing other songs that were written. Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, that would be a great song for so-and-so or vice versa or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah. that's one of my songs is that way too. So this song has received and shared its awards. Um it's very like a very unforgettable one in the country music world. The first song um, to hit one on Billboard Hot Country Songs charts in like seven years. Like it was like a big thing at the time. Cool. I don't know if I said that right. That was kind of confusing. So you're saying it's the first country song to hit number one. It spent three, sorry, it spent three weeks in the number one spot. Oh, okay. On Billboard's country songs charts. And it was the first song to do so within like a seven period of like a year period. A seven year period. It was the first one to be there for three weeks. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Thank you for saying it that way. That makes sense. <laughs> thank you for saying thank it you, that thank way. You. Um, also, a few things too. Um, Travis has other hit songs, including Digging Up Bones or Digging Up Bones, which I love. Yes. I Told You So and Three Wooden Crosses. Mm-hmm. 
I those aren't necessarily love. Well, they kind of are. Some of them are. Yeah. I say listen to those if you're interested. They're good ones too. Yeah, Three Wooden Crosses. It didn't become me as cry. popular, but it is such a moving song. Oh, it makes me cry every time. I'm like, <laughs> anyways, okay. So yeah, that's my one song. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, though, Tasha's a little emotional anyway. Just I know. In general, it's not she a bad got thing. the baby hormones going. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to share the country song first, just because. I'm a country person, and I love Randy Travis. But the second song that I wanted to do is I Can't Help Myself. And I know when I say it, you're like, hey, that makes I no sense. I can't help myself. Is that Loving the one? you and nobody else. Boom, 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 boom. Sugar pie, honey, shit. Do you know what it always makes me you think of? You know that I love you. Is it Shark Tales? When yeah. they're in the car wash, uh-huh. like when it's going up to that scene that's playing. That's <laughs> well, all I remember. That's funny because in the article it even mentioned Shark Tale. It? Like it says that's one of the shows. <laughs> but something that I think is so funny about this song is I, for the longest time, thought it was Sugar Pie Honey Bun. It's not. It's Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. Oh. Like Honey Bunches like hun- of Oats. Oh. Okay. Like Sugar Pie Honey, honey Bunch. Bun. But I always thought it was Sugar Pie Honey Bun, and I've always sang it that way. Sorry, I didn't mean to sniffle in the microphone. Everybody. I'm not, I'm not sure that. I'm wondering now. I want to listen back to see what we said. <laughs> we said bun for sure. I did. Did you? I definitely did. But for the lifetime. I thought it was freaking bun. And I even messaged them and was like, because we're like, hey, what songs are you going to do so we don't accidentally do the same song? And I literally typed out, I'm going to do Sugar Pie Honey Bun. And then when I was Googling (laughs) and researching, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's bunch? I had no idea. But anyways, so the song was written by the wildly successful Motown team of Lamont Dozier, Brian Holland and Eddie Holland, who wrote most of the super... Or who wrote most of the Supreme hits. Oh, okay. The melody of this song is very similar to Where Did Our Love Go? Which Holland, Doizer, Dozer, Holland, basically who they all, like they wrote that song too. So what oh, I'm trying okay. to say. According to them, the title came about because he couldn't help himself from working on the same tune. So another song that they created has a similar tune. Mm-hmm. So I can't help myself. Lo- that phrase came because he couldn't help himself, but from just using oh, the same tune. Gotcha. So supposedly the two are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lamont Doizen, Doizer, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, um, told the story behind the song in a behind the scenes video from a 2018 reimagination album. Listen to this. You'll want to listen. Quote, I stayed with my grandmother when I was a kid. She owned her own home beauty shop. And when the women would come in the walkway to get their hair done, my grandfather would be peeding around, peddling, peddling, peddling around in the garden. He was a bit of flirt, let's say. And he would say, how you doing, sugar pie? Good morning, honey bunch. Ah. He was one of those type of guys. My grandmother would say, look at that guy. He thinks I don't see. I know (laughs) what he's doing. He was just flirting with this big smile. And I'm sitting here on the porch watching this as I'm probably an 11-year-old 12 boy, as I'm just a sponge soaking it up. Oh, that's (laughs) so cute. It says, later years, I'm sitting at the piano. I take these simple, mild tracks back to my childhood as I'm trying to see what the piano part is telling me. Sure enough, there in the back of my mind, my grandfather 
pedaling around the garden, memories come to my mind's eye and I know where this song is supposed to go. I keep hearing him say, good morning, sugar pie. How you doing, honey bunch? And that's where it all started. Oh, that just gave me the biggest chills. I know, I was like, wow. So it was the first U.S. number one hit for the four tops, and it was a big one, topping the top 100 for two weeks and an R&B chart of an amazing nine. Wow. The group had paid their dues. They formed in 1953 and didn't get a Motown deal until 10 years later. The first Motown single was Baby, I Need Your Loving. They did very well, but this established them as one of the top acts in the company. Dang. Well, I know that's good. Crazy. So, and they obviously weren't a one-hit wonder either. Yeah. So that's good. Yes. And it slaps. And it slaps. Um, they say, like many listeners who felt that the lyrics were a little too, like, sugary, mm-hmm. it actually led Le- Levi Stubbs to hate the song. Um the court let cut it in an instance for a producer, Brian Holland, and then after they recorded the song, he was still upset. Holland reassured him that they could re-record it the following day, but there was no second retry, and it was just released as it as oh, it, is, as it was. So he didn't. He was like, "It's too sugary. Like I don't like it." But then everyone loved but it. Everyone ended up loving it. <laughs> What's well, just so catchy? It is so catchy. It's like once you get it in your head, like you're singing it. Did forever. I dance to that song in dance as a kid? You may I have. think I did. Like, I feel like I remember, yeah. I know you did to the Love Shack, which I was a little oh, questionable maybe of that's whether what that I'm was an appropriate of. song for Shack. <laughs> What's funny is I didn't know that this song was called Can't Help Myself. Like, if you were to buy the album, yeah, it's I would called look up. Can't Help Myself. But I Googled Sugar Pie Honey Bun, bun at the yeah, time. Same. <laughs> it's just that chorus is very catchy. I know, isn't it? So, um, let's see. Sugar pie, honey bunch. You, you know, know that, that I, I love you. Actually, it says, you know that I'm weak for you. Oh. So you I know that, that I'm weak for you. Man, we don't know this song very no, well. I but think what's a different verse. We're be. singing a different verse. I can't help Oh, you're right. Myself. The first verse is, sugar pie, honey bunch, you know that I love you. I can't help myself. I love you and nobody else. In and out of my life, you come and go, just loving your picture behind, and I kiss it a thousand times. And then Aww. the verse, like, after that a bit is the... Let's see. I'd you never, know that I'm weak for you. So I'd never paid like close, close attention, attention to the lyrics. Me neither. I think it's just one of those things that I mean, obviously we were all we're all too young for when that came out and was a big hit. So we know it from being in like commercials and, and movies, movies and yeah. different things like and that. And I think um when you go to Walmart and you pick like a bear off the shelf and it has like yeah. the button that plays, like it's it like always is that songs. song. So Yeah, that's all true. Right. But that's what one. I have. So mom on to you. All right, so I got my information today from smoothradio.com. Smooth Radio. So when I was thinking about uh, songs to use for this love song episode, I kind of went back to my teenage years. One of this is a little bit before my teenage years, but I still remember it being popular at the time. So my first one is I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. (laughs) Good job. Yes. So when you think of a power ballad, chances are this track is one of the first that pops into your mind. It is physically impossible not to sing along at the top of your lungs to Foreigner's 1984 love song. But who wrote it and how did it come to be? That's the question. Yes. So here are the facts about I want to know what love is. 
It was written by foreigner member Mick Jones. He wrote the song for the band's 1984 album, Agent Provocateur. Oh. The song also has an uncredited portion uh, with Lou Graham. Uh, if you ask Mick Jones, he says it's 5% of the song. And if you ask Graham, he says it's 40% of the song. <laughs> so there's a little bit of arguing about who, who contributed what. Um, what inspired the song? So like lyrics suggest, the song was born out of Mick Jones' frustration with not finding a perfect relationship. He told Son Facts, I want to know what love is started off as more of a personal level. I'd been through a lot of relationships that eventually failed and s still searching for something that could really endure. And that sort of took a life of its own as well. It became more of a universal feeling. I adjusted that during the recording of it and ended up putting a gospel choir on it. And, you know, realized suddenly that I'd written almost a spiritual song, almost a gospel song. Sometimes you feel like you have nothing to do with it, really. Just You're just putting it down on paper or coming up with a melody that will bring the meaning of the song out, bringing the emotion of the song out, which is part of the reason why I picked this song, because I, I couldn't find any love songs that were dreamt about, but I thought, you know, that's actually pretty close. Like when you feel like the words are just given to you and you're not really having to search for them, I think that's kind of that second sense. It's meant to be. Meant to be. So who sings the track? Uh, Fordner lead singer Lou Graham sings the lead vocals on the song. The song also features backup vocals from the New Jersey Mass Choir affiliated with the Gospel Music Workshop of America. There are also backing vocals from Dreamgirls uh, star Jennifer Holliday and keyboard work by Thompson Twins frontman Tom Bailey. Uh, Jones said of the choir, we did a few takes and it was good, but it was still a bit tentative. So then they all got around in a circle, held hands, sorry, they all got around in a circle, held hands, and said the Lord's Prayer. And it seemed to inspire them, because after that, they did it in one take. It, I was in tears because my mom and dad were there in the studio, too, and it was so emotional. I get Aww. chills just thinking about that. Like, they actually said a prayer. And then, boom, To, like, it get perfect. it right, and then they sang it with the power that it needed to have. I mean, honestly, when you like think about that song, just like in the article, how it talks about like you can't just you, you can't just you sing can't it. just belt it out like I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Yes, <laughs> yes. Usually, that's me in the shower or in the car. I won't. I won't let you guys hear that on this because you. Would I mean, be, mine wasn't very great. It was better than mine, would but have I was been. also being a little just you were playing silly around. Yes, you know yes. what? A fun reminder for everyone in life: you don't have to be good at singing to sing. That is true. You don't have to be good at dancing to dance. You're allowed to do whatever you want if you like it. Yeah, true. Do good whatever point. you want. Make your inner child happy. Yeah. So if you want to sing, sing, sing. I'm yelling at people. <laughs> <laughs> so Lou Graham wasn't happy with the song at first. Up to that point, most of Foreigner songs were co-written by Jones and Graham. But this was largely largely a solo composition for Jones. Graham felt it might send the band into an adult contemporary sound and away from their rock background. Jones told Billboard, If you look at our whole history, each album had a couple of ballads on it. I think that Lou aired his opinion at, about it at the time, and that's what led to people jumping on it as a reason for our differences. But I can never really think that having a worldwide number one song would be detrimental to the band. So he's saying, hey, so what if it's a, 
a little bit more sappy song than what we usually sing. It definitely didn't hurt the People band. People would like True. it. Um, let's see. How did it perform on the charts? The song reached number one in the UK single charts in January of 1985, dethroning the band, the Band-Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? Didn't you talk about that song in our Christmas album? You did. Yeah, but... Yeah, I, I but did. But it was by a different singer. E, no, the Band-Aid. Oh, was it yeah, the Band-Aid? Yeah, it was the Band-Aid, yeah. Oh, okay. It was the Band-Aid, yes. It, that, that is right. <laughs> That's funny that I just didn't make that connection till just now when I said it. And it stayed there for three weeks. It also knocked Madonna's long-running Like a Virgin off number one on the Billboard's Top 100 in the U.S. in February of 1985. Like it, a virgin. Yeah, like a virgin. virgin. Ooh. I only know the riff off version, so don't expect (laughs) me to go further than that. (laughs) All right. So it was Foreigner's first and only chart topper in either country. And it was also a big hit in Australia, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, Norway, and Sweden. So everybody loves it. I think it's just because everybody can relate. Like as you're going through and dating and trying to find that special someone. It's like, I want you to show me what love is. Ooh. And who covered it? The song has received a number of covered versions over the years, including the New Jersey Mass Choir recorded their own solo version in 1985, Tina Arena, who added lyrics by Mick Jones, uh, Mariah Carey, Winona Judd, Foreigner re-recorded it in 2016 with singer Nate Ruess, Ruess, R-U-E-S-S. And Kenny Chesney sang it. I don't remember the Kenny I don't Kenny remember Chesney that either. One, but, yeah. So that's my first one. Nice. Y'all ready for the second? Y'all ready for this? So just, have you seen Robin Hood with Kevin Costner? I know I've seen it. Is it the one with the... A long time. Or actually, I guess it was 91 when it came out. The iron underwear with the key? Yeah. Isn't it called Men in Tights, not Robin Hood? Yes, that's Men in Tights. Robin Hood with Kevin Costner is like a... Not a funny one. It's like a real love story. Okay. No. I haven't seen that. What's the one I've seen with the metal underwear? Men in Tights. Men in Tights. That's a funny one. That is a satire. Okay, okay. So Brian Adams... Uh, recorded the song Everything I Do, I Do It For You. And it was for the song Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in 1991. For the movie? Sorry. It was for the movie. What did I say? The song. Oh, the film. I meant to say the film, Ah. but yes. Um, So he still, Brian Adams still holds the record for the most consecutive weeks at number one in the UK with this power ballad. You couldn't escape the theme song from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in 1991, and it remains one of the greatest love songs of all 30 years later. And I have to say, I swooned a lot. That movie was so good. Anyway. Uh, but how? Well, I guess I'll need to watch it then. I have it downstairs. Do you? You need to watch it. Okay. But how did the song come about? So here are the facts again. Give us the facts. Give us the facts. So who wrote the song? Brian Adams wrote the song with composer Michael Kamen, who wrote the score for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and producer Robert Mutling. Did you know that he was Shania Twain's husband? No. He, I think he was her uh, like um, agent and husband. What's his name again? Robert Mutling. That's the only reason why I remember, because his nickname is Mutt. 
like who has the nickname Mutt? Robert Mutt Lang. Lang? Mm-hmm. Like L-A-N-G-E? Yes. I don't know if they're still married. No, yeah, they're not. Because th- this is why I was curious. No, yeah, I see him. No. He cheated on her. Oh, did with he? With her best friend. Oh. And then, listen, okay, sorry. Shania Twain drama. He cheated on her with Shania Twain's best friend, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then Shania Twain's best friend's husband and them ended up, I don't know if they actually like, got together, but they were in a very like good I would probably even say romantic, like relationship. Like they helped each other through. Oh, the Shania two. Twain got together with her ex-husband. No, with the f- with her with friend. the husband. With the friends, yeah, yeah that that's also got cheated on. Yes, yeah, that's what I meant. So these two basically had an affair, and so, so then the non-cheaters got together, got together too, too yeah. to work through it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cute. The only reason I know that is just because things pop up on my Facebook, and then I'm like watching stuff, and yeah, yeah. that's why I was like, wait, I'm sorry. Anyway, when you said Shania Twain and husband, I first thing I thought was ex-husband. Yes, ex-husband. Okay, so, okay, okay. So Lang also produced the record. The song was an orchestra-based music for the film, from the film, by Cayman, and was written in London at the studio Adams was working at in 1990. So Adams and Lang wrote it in 45 minutes and recorded it the following March. That's also why I picked this song. They wrote the whole song in 45 minutes. Whoa, that's crazy. (laughs) Like, that's fast. That's like, it was meant to be, again, like, the world needed the song. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, how was it used in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? The song is featured in the Kevin Costner movie, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Thieves, where it plays over the credits. Adam used a line in the movie, I do it for you, as the basis for the song. Adams later said that the song didn't originally meet Hollywood's approval, as the film company wanted the song to have instrumental uh, instrumentation similar to the film's era such as uh, lutes and mandolins. I think that's supposed to be flutes. I think I left off the F. Because I don't think there's a such thing as a musical instrument called a lute. A lute? (laughs) Yeah, not that I know of. So flutes and mandolins. Thankfully, the film company relented, but buried the song in the credits rather than in the film itself. Um, It was meant to be sung by Kate Bush. So Kate Bush played... Running up that hill. Oh, does that mean? Running up that hill. I don't know. It sounds right to me, but I could be wrong. Hold on. You can keep going. Okay, so Kate Bush played um, Maid Marian in the movie. Yeah, it is her. Wow, I didn't even know that. You guys are good. Man, my kids are great music people. That one's because of Stranger Things, I ain't going to lie to you. Okay, so composer (laughs) Michael Kamen originally wanted the song to be from the perspective of Maid Marian rather than from Robin Hood. However, this early version was deemed to be too bland and the likes of Kate Bush and Lennox and Lisa Stansfield uh, all turned it down. So Peter Cetera had the song turned down. So alongside Brian Adams, Chicago's frontman Peter Cetera was approached to write a song for the film. Having previously recorded Glory of Love from The Karate Kid 2, which was also a fantastic song, in all honesty, Cetera's was too pretty, and uh, said Michael Kamen, I write sweet melodies, and sometimes they need someone to deliver them with enough authority to make sure that you don't fall asleep. (laughs) Adams won the battle thanks to his rough voice and moving lyrics about Marion and Robin's romance. Uh, How did it perform on the charts? The song was a massive chart success around the world, reaching number one in at least 16 countries. In the UK, it spent 16 consecutive weeks at number one, the longest running in British chart history. 
It sold over 15 million copies worldwide, making it Adam's most successful song and one of the best-selling singles of all time. Dang. It also won a Grammy, but lost out at the Oscars to the title song from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> As it should have. Sorry to oh say it. <laughs> so those are my two songs. All right. Lexi, I pass the torch to you. I have been given the torch. She handed me nothing, and I am now holding the nothing up. <laughs> hey, you know, we have the shusher, too, that we oh, pass around. So right. we're good at using our imagination here. And if you don't know what we're talking about, it's from that home movie with the little alien named O. In our family, we pass around the shusher in quotations because it doesn't actually exist. Anyway. It's just yes. a picture of the shusher. Yeah, but then you have the right to shush anyone. still has it? Colby, Colby has Colby it. Colby still has it. No, I it, gave right. it to Colby like six months like, ago maybe. No, you didn't. It was longer than that, dude. No, it it's wasn't like been long. years. No. They've recently. We've recently switched I've never it back seen the shusher, I think, ever. Yes. Yeah. It's Anyways. because we don't trust you with family drama. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, my first song that I'm going to do is Somebody to Love by Queen. Oh. which I was asking Sebastian, I was like, what song should I do? And he's like, you should do that. And I was like, well, no, it's supposed to be like a cutesy love song. And he was like, not everyone's happy on Valentine's Day. And I was like, well, dang, you make a good point. <laughs> you make a good point. Somebody find me. Somebody oh. to love. No, somebody that was bad. to love. <laughs> well, that's find the re- Somebody to we are all just at different points no, of the yes. song. We're seeing the one Ella from Enchanted. Ella Enchanted. Well, yes. that's the one I was first introduced to, I think. Okay. It was. Yeah, it's not quite the original, no. but it's still good. But let me, can I input something here real quick? Mm-hmm. The Rhodes family. Yes. I would babysit their kids. And they would have a Queen CD in mm-hmm. their little player in the kitchen. Dude, that slap. I would listen to that all the time. <laughs> I think that's where my love for Queen, Queen came, came from. from, is that I think her husband, like the dad, had a Queen CD in the, the kitchen. So when they'd go out and the kids were in bed, you're like, I guess I I'll would turn to this. that on. And I'd be like, dude, I love this. I don't know what this is. I love it. And I do like all the songs. <laughs> that's hilarious. So this song was written by Freddie Mercury, which, if you don't know, is like the lead singer of Queen. <laughs> Yes. I hope you know. And that movie, <laughs> I really do. So. That movie they did about Oh, him. it's so good. Oh, watch it if you haven't. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. really good. So he wrote it. <laughs> this is a case <laughs> really? where the person who sang the song wrote the song. Yeah. Um, and the song tells a tale of a broken and depressed man begging God to let him out of his mindset by finding him somebody to love. So the lyrics say, got no feel. I got no rhythm. I just keep losing my beat. I'm okay. I'm all right. And. He's okay. He's all right. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm all right. So I ain't going to face no defeat. I ain't going to face no defeat. Thank you. So this verse <laughs> encapsulates the entirety of the song. Um, the up and down of emotions Mercury is feeling, but yet he is still trudging on. So discussing the melody of the track once again, despite the bass of the song being heavily rock based, the use of the softer yet just as powerful vocals from the gospel style, gospel style choir. I said that weird. <laughs> that has been seen in Queen's previous songs. So the song was heavily inspired by Aretha Franklin and her soulful and incredible voice. Awesome. And then um, Freddie Mercury has actually said that this is his favorite song that he ever wrote. Out of I all can of them. see why. It's, it's good. good. That's all the information I have about that first one. Now we need to try to sing it again. Like, where are we going to start with it? Tosh, lead us. Um, hold on. <laughs> I'm thinking about the <laughs> lyrics. Yeah. Hold the okay, hold on. I've been 
time to get out of this prison cell. Someday I'm gonna be free. Oh, somebody, somebody, somebody. Oh, somebody. Can anybody find me? Somebody to love. Somebody find me to love. Beautiful. Well, that was great. This is not our song. Yeah. But that's all right. Meanwhile, well, who can, we can't recreate, recreate Queen. That voice, he has, he can go high. He can go low. Like, yeah, (laughs) he has amazing range. Okay. The next song that I chose to do was a more modern one. I did All of Me by John Legend. I love it. I was waiting for someone to start singing it. All of me loves all. I had to think about it. I was like, wait, do I know this song? Yes, I do. All your curves and imperfections. Yes. All your something. I don't know all the words. something else. Yes. <laughs> that one. I know that he sang it and that kind of cemented him and Chrissy Teigen together and she was in his video. Oh, just you wait. Okay. <laughs> um, did you know that Chrissy Teigen is from Delta? Yeah. Kyle tells me every time I bring her up. He yeah, did like, you know I she's know. from Delta? I'm like, <laughs> yes, babe, I know. That's a very, very teeny town in Utah. Very true. I mean, it's rare I thought that's what you were going to say. It's rare for, like, a famous person to come out of Delta, Utah. Yeah. But I'm finding more and more as I read up on celebrities that I like, mm-hmm. so many of them come from really small towns. I guess that's true. We don't really ever Like, we just that watched up. that shotgun wedding with uh, Jennifer Lopez and mm-hmm. Josh Jamal, and I was just looking him up, and he was, like, from small town in some small town in Montana. Interesting. Yeah. And then he was married to Fergie. They got divorced, and now he's married to a lady. I can't remember her name. She's a model, but she's also from Montana. Interesting. So it makes sense. Like, you kind of go back to your roots. I think as you get older, it's, like, easier to be with somebody who really understands, like, where you came Came from. from. Makes sense. Anyway, um, so John Legend explained the song. He said, this song is saying things that balance each other out. Even when I lose, I'm winning. My head's underwater, but I'm breathing fine. I give you all of me. You give me all of you. At the same time as you're giving everything up, you're getting everything. And that's what the whole song is about. If you're in love and you connect, then even when you're giving things up, you're gaining so much more from it. Which so I thought true. was cute for him to say that. Well, and that's if you really think that way about your relationship, then you are going to be successful. Yeah, true. So this moving ballad finds John Legend returning from his piano driven roots, the heart, ri- the heart ribbon. Am I okay? The heartwarming, <laughs> the heart ribbon, the heartwarming ode to loving someone else, like many other, like many of the other love in the future tracks, is addressed to the singer's fiance, Chrissy Teigen. So, I'm um, obviously his wife now, but at the time, it was his fiance. Um, so these are they included some of the lyrics here. So just to make sure we got them right, all of me loves all of you, all of your perfect imperfections, love your curves and all your edges. So we weren't quite there. <laughs> We should sing that part. Okay. Can we do it? I don't know. Can we do it? That's the question. Well, how does it start again? All of me loves all of you. All your perfect imperfections. Okay, love your see. curves and all your edges. All of me loves all of you. All, all your curves. We're giving me the ick. Yeah. This all is your, the first I sang already. Words. Yeah, I know, but we just did the wrong words again. Oh. But it's okay. We you don't know, need it right. We got the it. tune right. We got At the least tune. That time. So, Toby Gad, who um, wrote the song with him, I believe. It was a little confusing. It didn't exactly say if John Legend wrote all of it. It seems to me like it was with this guy that he so, wrote it. I mean, that's like pretty a normal. Most, 
people don't write songs completely by on their own yeah so toby god recalled the writing of the tune to billboard magazine he said john knew he wanted to write a song to his then fiance and already had the words all of me he said the writing happened really fast maybe three hours just the two of us bouncing lyrics back and forth why did i say i didn't know i'm obviously struggling today it was very natural flow where every word felt completely honest yeah so legend wrote the words and mostly and the other guy did the tune Mm -hmm. which it's interesting because the two songs that you did as well they wrote them very quickly yep and this was in under three hours yeah that's crazy because it was meant to be like i just feel like things in life that happen super easy like that and then turn out to be amazing it's because the world themed up those things Mm -hmm. So um, John Legend also said, the overwhelming sensibility is one of optimism, and Chrissy Teigen has definitely affected my songwriting. Um, he told Digital Spy that the first time he sang this song to her, she cried, and he married Chrissy Teigen on September 14th, 2013 in Como, Italy, and he sung this song to her during Aww, the wedding. Oh, that's that so just gives precious. me chills, too. Yeah. They're so cute. They are cute. That's all I had. That's all you have? Yeah. I'm feeling the love. I know. I'm feeling the good, happy, warm, fuzzy, loving vibes. Yeah. Well, that's good because that's what our episode was for. Yeah. So happy birthday to Tasha and Daddy Daddy Dale. Thank you. And happy Valentine's Day to all those out there with loved ones or not. Tell us something you love. If you (laughs) you are not in a relationship, just listen to... uh, Miley Cyrus's new song. I can, I can buy myself flowers. <laughs> I can hold no, my own hand. Dang, we should have done about that song. Do you know? I almost thought about it. Yeah, we could have because she released it on his birthday. I know. Yeah. So if you I don't thought know about what it, we're talking about, you can go check it out. But you can love yourself, and that's important, or even more important, I think, than being loved by somebody else. You got to love Agreed. yourself in order for someone else to love you. Correct. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you leave us a review and rating wherever you're listening. And follow us on all our uh, platforms for social media. And email us at dutchoftheworldpodcast at gmail.com. And, and join us. Review us. No, you oh, need to listen. listen. We already said that. So sorry. I'm so, 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 so When sorry. we look at you and do that, that just means close it out. Oh, okay. Because sometimes I do close it out and they're like, you never say the rate Immediately review. as we start doing the outro, Tosh clocks out. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> clock like out. I'm like, done. Okay. So you know what to say now. Yes. Join us next time to find out what happens when we are dead, dead to, to the, the world. world.